0: Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities.
1: Hello and welcome to Parlor to Plate, a weekly podcast from Everag Insights dedicated to offering listeners enlightening discussion and actionable intelligence about dairy markets. I'm your host, Phil Plourd. If you've not heard this podcast before, well, join the club. It's still relatively new to the Everag Insights lineup. This is episode number eight, and we're excited to have you along. If you like what you hear, please like us, subscribe, and tell a friend or two. Okay, first things first. Let's timestamp this episode. It's about 1 p.m. Central Time on Wednesday, March 29th. Let's start with block cheddar cheese. It took a tumble today, down 10 cents to about $1.94 per pound. That's actually down 8 cents from a week ago. Barrel cheddar at $1.91 down 4 cents today, down 3 cents on the week. Butter $2.40 per pound, up 2 cents versus this time a week ago. Non-fat dry milk $1.15, unchanged essentially versus last week. And turning to the grain markets, we have corn at 6.51 a bushel, up 18 cents or 3% compared to a week ago, and nearby soybeans at 14.79 per bushel up 2% or $0.31 versus last week. All right, let's turn to our all-star panel. Today, we're fortunate to have Ryan Yonkman, a leader in our producer risk management practice, Brian Fletcher, head of our commercial desk, and Shelby Myers, grain intelligence director. Welcome, everyone. Good to be here. Thanks
2: for having us, Phil.
1: As is the case every week, we're going to start with what's the buzz. Talk about what's making the most noise in the areas we cover. Let's start with you today, Ryan. What's the buzz in your space?
3: Yeah, so two things. One, uh, something we've already had in the news here a couple weeks, but it, it's not going away, and that's in regards to the flooding happening uh, in the Central Valley of California. Uh, a few weeks ago, it was more of almost some noise and event, but you know, kind of a hey, this is a California problem. To now, it's making waves into like. Hey, this might be an industry issue. We're seeing a lot of feed pads underwater now up over probably 10 plus herds that have had to move or evacuate. This is going to lead to culling and beef, milk production issues. It's buzzing this week and is surrounded by the February milk checks hitting us last week and created a lot of back and forth on what guys are getting. And let's just be real, we have seen a lot of that negative basis we've talked about, a sure enough, hit. And we saw a lot of $15 to $16 milk checks around the central southwest regions of the US creating a lot of red ink in those parts of the country.
1: I don't know about in your circles, Ryan, or even Brian, if you have an opinion, but I've not, it's been hard to put a lot of definition around the California situation in terms of milk production losses. I mean, it's it's somewhere more than 1% from as best I can tell. It's maybe less than 5%. It still seems to be unfolding, but keep in mind that every loss of milk production in California is about two-tenths of a percent on the national picture. I don't know if you guys have heard anything different. It seems to be in flux. We know it's not good, but I've not heard it really quantified.
2: You know, Phil, at least on the commercial side, it is definitely a topic. We have a hard time quantifying it, though, at this moment in time. We have heard of, you know, it has spilled over to some, from what we've been able to run down, some cheese plant production issues. It sounds like for the most part, we're on the later stages of the issues at this point. It sounds like things are starting to to clear up. But yeah, I, I mean, we at, at this point, it's trying to figure out what it is. We've heard anywhere from that 1% decline of, I don't know if you want to say milk loss and some higher numbers out there as well. At this point, I, I'd say I, I don't have a great hold on it though. And
1: there's still a lot of snow up in those mountains, Ryan, right? This is not going to necessarily going to go away in a week or two. The
3: rivers are susceptible to running hard for quite some time. Yeah, the dairies we're talking to out there are saying exactly that. If they walk into a warm spring, there's a lot more coming behind this. And so it's just uh, this is something we're going to be talking about for a while. And as you mentioned, it's in a place where that amount of milk could matter. Shelby, what's the buzz in your world? I know
1: that, uh, you know, we can talk about California winter forage fields underwater, but I'm guessing your
0: purview is a little bit wider. Certainly is. For the grain markets, the buzz this week is, you know, all leading up to Friday, March 31st, this Friday's report on prospective plantings and what uh, U.S. farmers are telling USDA they intend to plant. Expectations right now are running at if we look at the February agricultural outlook, 91 million acres of corn and 87 and acres of soybeans. I think what's really interesting is that we're in this period of almost a tug of war between new crop and old crop in the grain markets, that we've got the expectations of what new crop could look like, uh, battling contract highs and lows of what's going on with old crop and particularly on our export side.
1: Brian, turning back to dairy a little bit, what's the buzz in the commercial desk these days?
2: Well, the buzz on the commercial desk, Phil, I know you kind of recap the week over week price changes, but if you pull back a little bit, looking back at the last two to three weeks, the U.S. cheese market has gone basically straight up. Um, we've moved from about a $1.70 average to about a $2 average in about a month. That largely has moved against the grain of the rest of the world. So, you know, we move higher while the rest of the world has been either consolidating or pulling back. And so the buzz has largely been trying to determine why that has been the case. And I don't know that I have all those answers, but some of the surprises in the cheese market have stemmed from the cold storage report. So the anticipation of what is said to be in storage was a lot lighter than what we were thinking. So I guess it's, the buzz has largely been around trying to put a story to that price move. But you know, over the last week, prices have been coming down and, and I'd say along the lines of, of more of the fundamental story that we've been seeing out there.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, I've heard, I'm pretty sure you've heard, demand is good. I'm not sure that it's 40 cents per pound rally good, but, um, you know, we do have a habit of getting carried away in our marketplace. And I think that takes us right to the center of the plate because all of a sudden we saw, you know, milk futures prices elevated, a pretty big rally that kind of jumped out from behind the bushes and really created some opportunities on the producer side, some challenges maybe on, or, or some big questions on the commercial side. And it's all interacting with a dynamic grain price environment. So let's go to the center of the plate. Ryan, let's talk about the rally, right? How often do we see these kind of rallies? Not very often. And what do you think it's done for our clients from your perspective?
3: Yeah, look, it's uh, volatility creates opportunities. And when you rally two and a half dollars in 10 days, as Fletch said, basically straight up, Uh, I don't know how many times in history we've moved that quick, but it's not a ton. And so it it created an opportunity for the obvious sell side of this industry, our dairymen, to go from low 17s to, I mean, we traded $20 April a few days ago, uh, was an opportunity. So we've been buzzing. We've been busy for our dairies trying to capitalize on a rally here that we've all struggled to see having a lot of staying power around the store. You guys have discussed, we've done this in the face of a global market that's flatlined or gone lower. So we've been busy trying to proactively roll hedges up in these front months or initiate new hedges for anyone who was caught, you know, kind of watching this thing and just kind of missing the boat. Kind of threw a lifeline out there, if you will, for our dairies here last minute, going into the beginning of Q2. So we're viewing it as an opportunity. And so we've been busy. And uh,
1: Shelby, I I didn't mention soybean meal in the rundown earlier, but it's down about $30 a ton. You know, we were over the past month, we were trading $500-ish now, $460-ish. What's going on in that market?
0: Yeah, for soybean meal in particular, you know the newer crop is in cert- and, and our further contracts into those December contracts are really keeping an eye on what that prospective plantings report is going to have. I think the market had a really hard time digesting the very optimistic report from USDA in February on eighty seven and a half million acres of soybeans and having such a bountiful supply, plus grappling with Brazil having a record high production. Now what we're starting to see is Argentina moving into a drought situation and being one of the largest soybean meal producers and exporters. Where will we have the opportunity to supplement some of that soybean meal is starting to be the question that the market has to answer and kind of rerouting where that's going to come from. So we still have a lot of uncertainty in that market for old and new crop moving forward and prices are, are trying to just predict and decide where that's going to head.
1: But I think our feed team has viewed you know this sort of sub 470 kind of number as being something of an opportunity, right? And coupled with a dollar, $2 you know increase in milk futures, depending on where you're looking, uh, we did see a little bit of margin expansion on the table for dairy farmers. What about corn? That market went lower. It's bounced back. What's been the story there over the past weekend, and what do you think is going to happen over the next couple of weeks?
0: Corn's been a fun one to follow over the last, certainly, week and a half. Uh, again, all commodity markets, I think, had a hard time grappling with what USDA put out at the end of February. But in the corn markets in particular, that has rallied on the backs of purchases from China, purchases of U.S. corn from China, so that the export pace of corn has really picked up not quite unexpectedly, but in a perkier mood so that the price of corn has rallied along with that. Now, two and a half weeks ago, I would say that wasn't the case and certainly a a time that we were positioning for feed clients to take advantage of some of the, uh, while still higher price corn, but some of the lows that we've seen in those contracts. And this is something that, you know, we've kept an eye on for grain clients, but I think Ryan, you know, have you seen the same for a lot of your dairy clients and how they've taken opportunities to position their purchases?
3: Yeah. I mean, it it kind of came ironic timing, right? This rally in milk was nicely met by what was then a good break in corn, right? It's had a healthy rebound since, but that was viewed as an opportunity by our feed team. So a lot of this, you know, kind of through June type stuff, especially on bean meal where you know, you had to have been in front of that a long time ago. Your spot. So as as Phil had mentioned, four fifty was really viewed as an opportunity. I think we saw a lot of dairies jump on that in these front months. So I would say it helped put some margin, or at least claw back some margin, I should say, in that Q two environment. And we got some help on both sides here over the last week.
1: Well, Brian, you know, for every happy producer seeing cheese up to two dollars a pound and class three milk top twenty dollars again. I, it, it, that creates certainly some questions and consternation on the commercial side of things. What's been the reaction from commercials to all this and, and how's that played in your world?
2: <laughs> yeah. so that that rally in the commercial side, I, you know, I think the best way to look at that is uh, the commercial side has had to be very, very nimble. Um, if I go to the global cheese chart that, that, that the insights team put together, Phil, you know, the U.S. price relative to the rest of the world has completely flip-flopped. So we went from being a discount to a premium to the rest of the world. That does not exactly do anything, you know, it, it changes the game when it comes down to w- what to do. <laughs> so from the export side of things, we've actually been navigating the case of some loss export contracts over the last few weeks how to manage that and what to do and also how, how to deal with a market structure when the spot price is higher than the forward curve. So that is a completely different dynamic than what we were dealing with a month ago, where, you know, the incentive in the, at at least in the cheese market was to store cheese. Store cheese because the forward price was yielding a higher price after carrying costs than than what we're doing today. Now, if we're looking at a one ninety two block barrel average and cheese futures at a lower price, we're dealing with you know how to unwind inventory into a lower forward curve. So, if we were to look back at kind of the the main focus is it changed really really quick, and how do you how do you change your plan to when the market changes?
1: And We're kind of forced to shrug our shoulders a lot, right? I mean, this, you know, demand seems good, you know, shrug shoulders. And we always talk about how this is a four to 30 day old cheese market. And so you can get really short on near term supply, even if medium term supply is better. But I don't know, Talk. I mean, the markets work, right? A week ago, we were hearing, oh, yeah, there's some aged cheese around if you want some. And then this week, we started to hear, oh, by the way, there's some fresh cheddar available all of a sudden. And today, you know, the market falls apart. So the market does work. It just takes time. And and, and I imagine counseling around that patience is a big part of your job.
2: Absolutely. It's not a, (laughs) it it doesn't always work exactly the way that we're thinking about it, the way or fast, fast, (laughs) it takes time. And recently, I mean, we've seen a corresponding move lower in spot. And the forward curve has been hanging out a little bit, but overall, from a merchandising point of view or a commercial point of view, it's how to take advantage of those types of opportunities. And now it's a little bit interesting because the incentive today is to unwind your cash position into the market. And that's a probably an uncomfortable time of year to be doing that because from a historical standard this is the time of year that we want to be, in general, want to be storing inventory for demand in the summer or fall. Right now, it's a matter of seeing where you can unwind into this healthy, you know, in the in the strong cash market. So we'll see. It, it's really had to, we've had to change plans and, and take advantage of what the market's presented and and uh, we'll see how it plays out here over the next couple of weeks.
1: I think across the spectrum, whether we're talking, you know, commercials, producers, the feed side of things, it's another, another week or two that says you can't fall asleep on these markets for even a minute, right?
2: No, not at all.
1: All right. To wrap it up today, let's ask our panelists what they're doing to help clients. Shelby, what have you been doing to help clients the past couple of weeks in terms of the conversations you're having with our feed team, our grower team? What, what's been the talk
0: there? Well, the talk has certainly been what to anticipate now that we have a little bit of an outlook on 2023 and how to position just right ahead of planting. You know, we did a a cool webinar last week for clients to take advantage of and Uh, Happy to get that to whomever may need it. Feel free to contact our team. But that really put us in a good position ahead of planting to know what the important takes are for the grain markets. And then also preparing some information to go out about what is going to be in this report Friday and how to get ready for the planting season since that'll really take off probably in the next three weeks or so.
1: Ryan,
3: I know that you know we were able to jump on some of that April action. What else have you been doing to help clients these past couple of weeks? Yeah, uh, I mean, these last couple of weeks was a nice, healthy reminder that hedging isn't as always simple as DRP. Q2 DRP closed a few weeks ago. This rally happened. We had to go to the good old-fashioned exchange to get things done. We were willing to be more aggressive into a rally like this with, in regards to just selling milk outright. So very busy up front, a little aggressive in April, selling calls May, June, a little further out. Dairies are starting to be able to pick apart some call strikes up above the market that greet profitability and can finance some options bought while being careful in the back half yet. That's still an area we're just picking around the edges. Not an easy equation there to go solve for us just yet. Brian, you've got the
2: last word on this. What have you been doing to help clients? You know, it's completely flip-flop, Phil. So a month ago, we were largely focused on how to optimize carrying inventory or storing product. Now, at least in the cheese world, it's largely been, where can you unwind in the strength?
1: All right, Brian, that's about it for today's show. Thanks to our panelists, Ryan, Brian, and Shelby. Thanks, as always, to Paige Driscoll, our master media person, for making us all sound good. And thanks to you, our listeners. Once again, if you like the show, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. If you would like to learn more about how we help people manage risk, contact us at insights at ever.ag.